0: Welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by SchoolofLaughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show.
1: Welcome to the School of Last Podcast. This is Rick Roberts. Today we've got a very special show. Uh, I'm going to title these student successes. I've got one of my former students, Brian Bates, here who has just flipped the switch and gone full-time. We're going to speak with him in just a second and kind of give you guys the, uh, the journey that he's been on. I'm sure some of you are thinking about going full-time or wondering what it takes, and we'll find out a little bit about that. As always, we like to thank the folks that left a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Today, our iTunes review is coming from Stingray98. I like that, that's cool sounding. Stingray98 says, There are two ways of doing things the easy way and the hard way. Chasing a dream of being a stand-up comedian is never easy, but it would be much harder to do without the advice of a seasoned pro like Rick. It would take years of trial and error to gain industry knowledge you'll gain after listening to this podcast. So thank you very much there, Stingray. Uh, Make sure you leave an iTunes review if you enjoy this show. It helps us be found in the rankings a little bit easier, and we always appreciate that. If you'd like to ask a question of the show, you can go to our podcast page online at schooloflast.com and hit the speak pipe button. It says Call Now or Leave a Message, and you can do that over your computer with your computer's mic or hit us up on Twitter at School of Laughs. You can ask a question right there, and we'll be sure to get it here on the podcast for you. All right, so let's get into it here, buddy. Uh, about, would you say it's seven years ago almost? Uh, eight years ago this month. Eight years ago this month, uh, Brian Bates signed up. For a comedy class that I was teaching at Zanies, and I'm just curious, um, when you found out about the classes or about thinking about doing stand-up, what was going through your mind before the first class? Like you're coming in there, and what do you think it was or wasn't? Or
2: um, you know, I didn't know a lot. I read about it online, and that at that time it wasn't even being taught at Zanies; it was being taught at Bongo Java. That's right. And um, I didn't even know it was through Zanies, I think, but I somehow googled it and found out about it. And I didn't know what to think, but I was nervous, understandably, because my vision was that all comedians were these wacky, crazy guys <laughs> that just are always on. And you know, if you if you are not funny all the time, then they're just going to ridicule you. It's almost like sitting in the front row of a comedy show, but you are right in front of them. You are paying them to ridicule you. Right. So I was really nervous coming in, but uh, wanted to give it a shot and see what happened.
1: And at that point, were you even thinking about performing, or just were you just thinking about writing to punch up your writing on?
2: I don't know what I was thinking. I think I just wanted to do it for fun. People had always told me that, uh, you know, that's funny. That's probably most people that take the class, someone told Mm -hmm. them that. And I just thought, I'm going to give this a shot and see what happens. But um, really didn't have any expectations beyond that. I just wanted to take it and see what happened. And... um, I really liked the people in the class it was a great group of students and we became friends and we just you know we got done with the class we like, let's keep doing this let's let's see what happened I think we challenged each other and pushed each other and things like that but it it helped that you were a normal human being (laughs) and not some just crazy lunatic guy you were someone I could identify with and actually have a real conversation with so I appreciate it yeah yeah I I remember
1: that group and it was a great group Mm -hmm. in fact that was a we'd had the the workshop and the writing workshop over there at that coffee house and we the guy that ran the coffee house said you guys want to do a show like a Mm -hmm. graduation show and so the people that went ahead and did the performance class we went ahead and put one on and it was so good like I was so impressed with uh, we had probably 12 or 13 in that bunch and everybody's doing their best three minutes and I'm like this show would stand up at Zany's. So right. I, I, you know, I got it going on there, and that's where it's been ever since. But that was a great group. Was that the group? I, I just had a flashback where the young kid—I <laughs> was just thinking—and his mom yes, came to the class. Yes, or, I was just thinking that. And we created the rule that no kids and their mom can come to class anymore. <laughs> he was like in high school or something, or junior high. I don't know. Uh, maybe high school, yeah. but he
2: talked more than anyone. He, yeah. <laughs> instead of asking a question, he would just start Stop. laying stuff out, and so <laughs> he, I think that helped me though from a Bonnie experience because. I immediately made me realize I'm not the worst person in the class, <laughs> right. I'm, I'm not the most annoying person in the class, and I remember cutting eyes sometimes, like looking at, at Kylie, we had that immediately bond like, this guy is yeah. annoying, yeah, which funny. made me like everyone better.
1: Yeah, that's funny, that was a really uh, open and honest group, and uh, really a, a lot of the people that were in that class really got into writing some personal stuff, and which takes years for most comics to kind of get into doing, so yeah. it, was, it was great. So that was a while back, <laughs> and you did challenge each other, and you... Yeah. Um, I remember early on you hooked up with two other guys named Brian that were in the class yep. and had the three Brian's and a website going there so you yep. fairly early you jumped on finding a niche for yourself or some way to kind of promote not only your show because at that time you may have only had 10 or 15 minutes right but I always talk about combining forces, and the three of you could put on a 30-minute or 45-minute show, even pretty early on.
2: Yeah, that's crazy. They were all named Brian, and we all took the class together. Brian Kiley and I worked right down the street from each other within walking distance, and we both had similar white-collar jobs, ton of uh, friends that wanted to come out and see us, and, and uh, yeah, it just kind of took off.
1: Yeah, it was pretty wild. And I, I noticed that pretty early, and you had the website, so... You know, I'm always trying to help students out as best I can, and, and I was getting some calls for some Christmas parties that year. I think you took the class in January, so yep. by December, you you had 5, 10, 15 minutes that you felt okay about, mm-hmm. and some of these gigs I couldn't do, and I said, hey, I've got three guys that are all new, but they're going to give you a good energy and the best show they can, yep. and I remember at least a couple parties that first year, Yeah. and uh, try to help you keep it moving forward, <coughs> so that's cool. So you became pretty good friends with the, several of those folks, but yeah. of course in any group of 12 or 13 some of those don't do stand up anymore right uh they kind of just kind of test it out and i think people can realize pretty quickly that you have to have that drive to go find the open mic to stay yeah. up till 10:30 on a wednesday night to get some time and all those things and that's not for everybody no so early on with your day job right which uh you were clocking in at, what's your normal starting time back at the day
2: job um maybe when i f- first did the class it was eight o'clock. Okay. So nothing crazy early, but early enough. Yeah. So where you kind of felt it
1: pretty often if you're yeah. staying up late getting those sets, but you knew the sacrifice was necessary, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it was, I mean, you know, it was a tough job just like most day jobs are and you're tired after it's over. But again, to have, just like when you work out or anything, you need people to be accountable to and to push each other and, and things like that. And um, we were all good friends, but very competitive and we wanted to to keep you know doing it and it was fun it was fun you know you build friendships and then it's not just like extra work you're also hanging out with friends yeah and doing fun stuff
1: well how how was the dynamic with three people that all had started on the very the same day right and then you do some of these shows where all three of you are doing it and was there even early on was that competitive thing where i want to close the show or i don't want to have to open the show Hmm. or please put me in the middle again it's the safest place how did you guys work that out
2: i don't think we even realized at that time putting us in the middle is the safest place i don't even think we were that that, that smart although i'm sure you told us that in the class we probably hadn't caught on i think we just agreed to rotate uh-huh. you know like we were doing shows once a month and you know this month you'd you'll MC and i'll go next and you know as far as the headliner the clo- we usually had a special guest closer because we realized we weren't Right. headliners yet so we invite somebody i mean you did it for one of our shows yeah, and yeah. we would have invited in other people from the community to do it and most people wanted to do it because um it was a it's a great room that bongo java where we used to do those shows it would be a great crowd it's a great way to record a set and get a good recording from it sure so we were competitive but um you know, there was there was not much tension. We all knew that we were in it together, and we're all newbies, right? And did you find
1: that of the three of you, one naturally handled the the transactions better or the mm-hmm. communication better? How did that work out? Was sharing one website? How did the if if an inquiry came in, where did it go? Uh,
2: you know, Brian Kiley was probably the brains of the operation. He was much <laughs> more tech savvy than I was, and he was also. Um, <coughs> He was, you know, from a banking background, so, you know, he handled the money end of it. I guess I did more communications because I was in the communications background. Right. I guess real quickly tell everybody what your job was up until a couple of weeks ago. So I worked for almost 20 years at News Channel 5, the CBS affiliate in Nashville so most people yeah just we can get into that later but you know I just quit my job and I tell these other comedians you know and they're like oh yeah man I I quit my job at Applebee's I was there (laughs) working there six weeks and they wanted me to work a double I said I got a gig man I quit and I'm like well I worked for 20 years and I was a manager and half my life so wow. a little bit different yeah
1: so so you handle the communications in the group and then what did uh what did the third man do <laughs> <laughs> swinford we know <laughs> we're still trying to figure that out <laughs> yeah actually it's funny um brian we lost a car accident a couple years ago brian which, yeah which is a, a a real tragedy he was he was sober hit by a drunk driver after doing a show mm-hmm. and trying to get back home to his family at, mm-hmm. and uh, late at night so that was a horrible thing um, swinford brian the other guy who uh, maybe listens to the podcast once in a while he is the voice of the nashville redneck tour bus so uh, i got an email from him not recently saying not too too recently saying that he was you know still using his comedy chops on that bus so it's weird what you can use with your comedy skills you develop
2: absolutely i I don't think most people take the class necessarily thinking they're going to be a stand-up comedian i think they take it to think they're going to help them with their you know maybe they speak at their church or their businesses or or whatever and yeah he's using it to you know, he, in a
1: way that makes it work for him. Yeah, so pretty cool. So so that was your humble beginnings there. You kind of got the, the yeah. three of you together and got a little momentum going. And then what other – how long did it take you before you felt like, I kind of know what I'm doing here? I uh, haven't gotten there yet, but
2: <laughs> I hope any day now. <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, it was – you don't know what you don't know. So there will be times where I thought I kind of knew what I was doing, but then I look back a year later or whatever, and I really didn't know, so so you know how that is. I still
1: feel that way about some things. Yeah,
2: yeah, I mean, there's things I'm sure I'm doing now that a few years from now, I'm like, ah, oh, that I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. But, um, you know, I started getting some me- momentum. I mean, those shows were a great start, and then we started branching out a little bit and doing our own thing. And, um, you know, the next step for us was hanging out at Zany's and uh, just, you know, getting our foot in the door there. And that was a lot of late-night hanging out after the show. We weren't on the show, obviously. and uh, But just hanging out there at Zany's and getting our foot in the door and getting known, and then that's how some momentum started.
1: Yeah, and that's a great point. So I don't think enough people – put weight in that you know you have to be known to the people at the club for them to even contact you or Mm -hmm. think about you and you guys were definitely stopping by there you know for the late shows or whatever and hanging out after everybody's left the the management got to know you a little bit and you're still hanging out and shooting the breeze so naturally they're going to want to call some buddies to be on the show next time there's a fallout or an open spot it's not practical for everybody to do that but here you are still with the job you got to get up right early in the morning we were morning. staying up really late there but you were paying your dues that yeah. paid off later on yeah and i know there's people listening say oh, i can never do that i've got a job well brian did it yeah you know so put yourself out there and realize that there's a lot of things off stage it's people skills it's, yeah. it's knowing who the people are and letting them know who you are so it, that was a
2: really smart move that
1: you guys made
2: yeah it's just networking and and Everyone has a different version of what networking is and what being a kiss-up is, I guess. Right. But um, (laughs) to each his own, I guess. But I think it's just being there, being accessible, listening, not talking, and, and, you know, just being a decent human being and – People generally will like you. I think if you just do
1: that. Yeah, most of most people. I mean, there's some people <laughs> that can shut up and listen and still be an idiot the whole time. You know? Yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, my wife's told me that. So, so that's cool. And now, uh, we'll, one more thing about Zanies is yeah. um, you're you're obviously a smart guy, and I always I recommend to folks that you record your sets as often as right. possible because a it helps you get better, but you never know when the hot crowd's going to be there or when you come into something new. And one night you were on stage, and you got heckled. Yes. Uh, but that turned into a nice thing for you. Tell us a little bit about how that, you know, yeah. if you remember who was on the show. I don't know if that's even important, but tell us the joke and I d- the I response. Do,
2: I do remember. So, um, yeah, I took my camera. I don't always take it. You should always take it, but thankfully that night I did. I took my camera to the show and recorded my set. I was emceeing, and John Panette was the headliner that, that night, I remember. And I told a joke on stage where... Um, I, uh, it's a it's a joke about um, sowing your wild yeah, oats. Yeah, sowing my wild oats and how you know everyone says you know get out there while you're single, sow your wild oats and and I say well apparently I don't know how to farm you know it's been a long dry summer for however many years or whatever right. and then off to the side in the crowd some guy says maybe you need a bigger tractor <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and it was loud enough where enough people heard it that they laughed that I couldn't just ignore it so i had to acknowledge it so um i said for those of you who didn't hear what he said which was smart yeah because the majority of the crowd did not hear it mm-hmm. i said he said i need a bigger tractor and then the crowd just erupts in laughter and i pause, you know I'll sit there for a few minutes contemplating and i say now, i would be mad about that line joke but that's a great line or something like that i gave him credit for it right and the crowd loved that and, um, you know, I got a really great response and then, I, you know, I gave him his due, he didn't say anything else. He wasn't some drunk crazy guy, I think he just threw out a line and right. then we went on about our business. But I recorded that and I got a great response. I posted it on YouTube and it's just one of those crazy things that for a reason it caught fire and now it's got well over a million views. <laughs> Isn't that wild? <laughs> yeah, and I get a check <laughs> from YouTube every so often <laughs> for royalties, <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. For that video, just something I have to record and
1: post on there. Right. So I mean that story story's great for so many reasons. A yeah. A you didn't get combative because somebody right. got the better of you. Yeah. You made it to where the crowd loved you for yeah. what he said. Yeah. And it's a line that you could probably use later on. <laughs> you know, yeah. he just gave you a line you could tag I do him use that line. <laughs> <laughs> right. And B, you had the camera ready. Yeah. C you repeated what he said so that everybody on the mm-hmm. video would hear it without having you to put it in a you know, close yeah. caption or what right. have you. Right. And then being honest enough about it and I mean some comics would get heckled and never put it on YouTube. Yeah. Because they got you know, they were taken they were they were the butt of the joke. But right um to have that as your most watched video, <laughs> you know, I think it's a it's a nice it's it's an insight to who you are as a person. Like, hey, I'm here to have fun. Yeah. This was a funny thing that happened. I'm not yeah. ashamed of it or anything, you know, why should you be? Right. And uh and ever since that I've kind of there's a huge following for people that are getting heckled on YouTube. Like I know guys that purposely mm-hmm. spend some of their time inviting a heckler by one way or another so they can post the responses mm-hmm. to it. So there's a there's a lot to learn there. But over a million views, regardless of what the video is, is pretty phenomenal.
2: Yeah, that's, that's crazy how certain things just catch fire with people and, yeah. They yeah, and watch it. You know, one question I get quite
1: often is you know, I don't have any credits and I want to put together like a one sheet or a bio or something one of your credits over a million views on YouTube that that's do you have that anywhere on your website or <laughs>
2: no I should shut that should be no, the top honestly. thing <laughs> oh yeah
1: over 100 and have a link to the video yeah that's you know? true. and then a little caption at the end saying if you want to book Brian take it off Yeah, you know, whatever yeah but uh really cool so and that was a couple of years ago two or three yeah it's probably been more than that now maybe yeah four or five I think okay and so while you were still doing your day job which was just up until recently right. Um, you still did some road work. Yeah. How were you able to balance that out and what was the what was the, mm-hmm. the people
2: how how did your bosses look at that and how accommodating were were they and Right. How- well thankfully because I had worked there for so long before I even started doing comedy, I had a good relationship there and good reputation and they liked me. And I'd built up enough vacation where I you know, I had some to use and then um I just it's really still really, really hard though because I use for the last few years I've really taken no real vacations. All my vacation has went toward comedy. So, my vacation time is taking off a Thursday, Friday and hitting the road. Um, you know, Thursday morning or sometimes working half day Thursday and then hitting the road. Right. And and then working all weekend and driving back sometimes late Sunday night just to get to work on Monday morning. So, I've done that for the last few years. So, it was it was difficult, but um, you know something that was worth it to me right? to make it work yeah And on some of those nights where
1: you're driving back I'm sure there's some <laughs> self-doubt that creeps in you know when sure. your guard is down. like what am I doing and, you know, how do you get past those nights when you're at that beginning level and you're like I've got to do this like what kicks in I you? drink a lot and uh, <laughs> no I don't, I don't I'm just kidding
2: I don't know I it's just it's crazy because your the mindsets are so different you're in your little business world and your day job and you're thinking you know it's really stressful and hectic. And then those nights where – some nights I have to run over to Zanies r- straight from work. Mm-hmm. And within 30 minutes, I'm on stage, and it's just using a different part of your brain. That is crazy how you have to shift that so much. And then when you're on the road all weekend and come back and you have to be at work in a few hours, back to business mode, it's it can be pretty <laughs> – Monday mornings are tough sometimes. Yeah. And you're like, oh, man, I just had the greatest night of my life, and now I'm back here <laughs> dealing with – copier issues or something i don't know (laughs) change the toner brian yeah exactly (laughs) exactly i don't know i don't know rick um as far as you know it's good to have options i feel like life you need some diversity and you need some options so whenever i would really get down in comedy if comedy wasn't going my way i would tell myself it's okay you've got this day job (laughs) to fall back onto and you know you're making paying the bills whenever my day job was frustrating i told myself I got comedy and one of these days I'm going to be doing that.
1: Yeah. And so your journey was seven or eight years there. Yeah. I mean, I
2: took the class eight years ago this month.
1: And so we met back, was it in May or June over at the barbecue place? And you're like, I'm thinking about.
2: Oh, yeah. Yep. So for this year, I set a kind of set of a goal, like the beginning of the year. I, I like to, you know, set goals for each year. And one of them was, I knew I was at the point where I think I'm ready to make this leap but, um, you know, I just want to kind of fill this year out. So I thought, if I'm still feeling this way come my birthday, which is November 3rd, um, I'm, I'm going I'm to tell them I'm going to finish out the year. And then, you know, that's going to be it. And, and that's what I did. I told them on my birthday on November 3rd and told them. Were they pretty surprised? Um, I mean, yeah, they were, they were surprised. I mean, they knew this is something I've been doing. They see the work I put in and things like that. So they weren't shocked. But still, you know. They were saddened. They were saddened. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. they were. I, like I mean, I, I,
1: I'm sure they were. I mean, I've met a lot of the people that work with yeah. you, and, and they're like, we're going to lose a, a daily, a fun guy in the office. I mean, think about the impact. Somebody's got to step up back at the office to yeah. be funny yeah. and punch stuff up and make their day. So yeah. uh, it's interesting. It's interesting. But I remember when we were talking, you know, we're just kind of, you know, sounding it out a little bit. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and one of the ideas I threw out—I'm curious if you—if you messed around with the idea or not—was to try to live off your comedy money mm-hmm. from that point on, till December. And if you are able to do that, then that's one sign that maybe. But mm-hmm. there's also those new expenses of healthcare, right? Um, different things that were covered before. So, how did that experiment go?
2: I, yes. I guess okay. Yeah, I did. So, uh, well, we'll see. <laughs> Check back with me in a year. I'll be telling a different story on here. We'll work for food, but no. Um, so yeah, I've been saving money for a long time, and um, this year I started saving more and more because I think I'm really gonna do this, I gotta be saving. But you know, I talked to you about it and and decided, well, I should just go ahead and if I'm gonna do this, pretend like I don't even have mm-hmm. money from a day job. So s- starting in June, every one of my paychecks, I just put it st- went into straight into savings and just started living off my comedy income. And I was making it and surviving, so, even though I just started this, basically for six months I've been living mm-hmm. off my comedy income so already. That,
1: well that's good. I mean I think yeah. it's yeah. And now I I think the most growth any comic has is that first year they go full time because mm-hmm. you don't have a, the other distractions of a full time job mm-hmm. and so I have no doubt that you're gonna you know do fine with that. But it was it's I think it's smart to take that little window of six months and see what what's it really like. Yeah. You know, uh, but you're going to be hustling now that it's the only, the only way money's coming in is if Brian's on stage. Exactly. Uh, it definitely will heighten the awareness of, of getting but, some kicks.
2: But I do, besides on stage, I do try to find other ways to make, <coughs> make money. I think that's maybe the key for a new comic is, again, to have... Diverse sources of income. So I have, you know, a, a house that I rent and get money from that. But besides on stage comedy, I try to write for other people mm-hmm. and I look for other ways to make income using what, you know, I learned from the class. That's cool. Yeah. And there, there
1: are different avenues for taking your writing skills. And, and we'll do a big up podcast on that here pretty soon. Um, I've got Gavin here with me. <laughs> I'm who, a big fan of Gavin. <laughs> you know, Gavin has a lot of fans. You need this, Mike? Yeah. We okay. Can, we can do that one. So. You know, Gavin is, Hello. his goal eventually is to get into this comedy thing. Yeah. So I'm going to let him pick your brain for a little bit here and see right. what's on his mind. All right. Yeah, I guess
0: my, the, I guess I'm just starting. So yeah, I guess when you're coming into your first paid gigs, what does that look like? What, you know, I guess that was several years ago now. What does the but, check look like? No, <laughs> no, 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 no. No, what What Very are you personal, shooting man. for? Like, what were you shooting for to get paid you know mm-hmm. not the amounts but i guess the the times you know where, was it a middle spot that you finally got paid was it a mc mm. spot that you finally got paid
2: well i mean i definitely get paid for mc spots um at first you know you're just so happy to have any stage time right i would have probably paid zanies and they <laughs> right. know that unfortunately <laughs> to do it so yeah. you do like you know my first mc week you get to do the week and i'm so excited and i almost forgot i got paid oh <laughs> then, wow then at the end of the week nice they come to me with the a check i'm like oh yeah yeah it's a check too that's crazy so at first you know i'm just excited about whatever i get right and um you know i know it's not gonna be enough was,
0: did it feel like a confirmation that i mean that you yeah. were funny like i mean i know that sounds weird but you know was that like oh my gosh i can do this
2: it's, yeah it felt like a confirmation that i was not gonna fail i was on the right track right i mean i survived i didn't bomb and when they invited me back it me made me think well they must like me enough to bring me back yeah (laughs) they're doing it again yeah and uh you know it just built some momentum so yeah if you go that route you know like i said i hung out at zany's and then they eventually booked me to mc well you know there are open mics at zany's right and those come and go and i would get on those and they'd see me and you wonder if anybody's even watching that's
0: what i was you know how do you know who you're trying to <laughs> impress or or do you just not have that in your mind at all or
2: yeah i mean you do have in your mind but I, I don't even know that i had the right people in mind you know there was people that would
0: <laughs> it's like the bartender that you're playing to that you know sometimes has, that yeah. is the right person you know <laughs> right the, the wait staff or something <laughs> like
2: that but there's there's people again that back then i thought oh man this guy could make or break my career right and, you know he's right. somebody that was just stacking
0: it has nothing to do yeah
2: you don't know yeah but uh, you know you just do your best you can and then seem like it'll just good things will happen and it'll and the, you know the manager obviously sees you or they ask about you sure sure they hear about you and if they like you then then just some momentum. but i got
0: booked mc and then and were they, would they be the people that would ask you you know hey what's your phone number we'll call you you know if a spot opens up is it, were they the ones that did that or did you have to approach them and be like hey guys um,
2: i think because of the open mics I was on their email list, okay, and then so they just emailed me about MC. okay. But I remember getting like that first email from them about, and I was just like, "Did you freak away. out?" I was in your so house? excited. <laughs> yes, I'm available. <laughs> yeah. Let me check my calendar. It's completely open. Let's of course, now. I'm available.
0: Let's go now.
2: Yeah, I think the first show MC wasn't even a real comedian. It was just like <laughs> it was, just some guy. It was that a was, dog show that you basically. Did. Yeah. I, and I said, "Yes, I'll do it." And I still would.
0: Yeah. Now, how did I mean? I, I guess I'm still. You're you're more solid in who you are on the mic, um, but how did your material change as you were just starting? Like your perspectives, you know, from from your material, mm-hmm. not necessarily your perspective of yourself, because mm-hmm. that's going to change, you know, or that's going to kind of be the same. But like I, I'm I'm struggling with, um, you know, do I come in as the smart guy, right? As the dumb guy, <laughs> as the you know, I mean, hopefully the funny guy. Yeah. But you know what I'm talking about. It. Yeah. You know, you sort of have to pick your direction you know how did that change for you
2: the two things i've noticed that have kind of grown with me and i see this a lot of new comics their material while maybe it's funny or clever it's maybe not as believable at first it's cartoonish more
0: how how so
2: i don't know like like what if
0: you could stop a young comedian from creating that 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 material right now like what what would that look like if they're writing it in their notebook
2: I had a lot of material when I started that might be clever and people might laugh you know for the cleverness but nobody really believes it and I was right because it's a little far fetched and ridiculous to really believe it so nobody's going to they might think it's funny but nobody's thinking internally well, it's funny because it's true <laughs> right 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 You know what I mean and then as you get better I think I don't know. You just start writing less extreme mm-hmm. and more. Well, maybe this really happened, or I right. can identify with it more. Yeah, does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I've sort of noticed that a little bit myself. That I, I was, I've been. At first, I thought I want to be this like rant comedian. Mm-hmm. You know, this guy. You know, sort of Adam Carolla, who's who's ranting about all these different things, and then and then all of a sudden, I was like. My everyday life is what I'm frustrated with. I'm newly married, I have a house that's not finished. I don't have countertops. Yeah. Yet. I don't have countertops yet, uh, you know. Things like that, that that finally were the things that I'm starting to draw my material from right. that are, that's, it's, like you said, it's less extreme, you know. And more real life. And more real life, yeah. and therefore I'm picking more personal things uh-huh. that are connecting more. Um,
2: yeah, so that's that's one example. I think you just, you figure that stuff out, and you, you know, I guess at the beginning, I was writing what I thought people think was funny, and that's what most people do, I think. They, did
0: you think of an age range when you were thinking about that?
2: Because, I mean,
0: I can't connect to, I, I talked to an older gentleman this weekend, and, I, and he was like, you know, you're not going to connect with 14-year-olds, and you're right. not going to connect with the, you know, 70-year-olds who are going to go hear a swing band or something right. like that. you got to pick, you know, you got to think of who your audience is. Um, So like all of a sudden all this stuff started to like creep into my mind like, oh my God, I have to think about all these different things.
2: I've heard it both ways. I've heard it, you know, uh, that you gotta you know know who your audience is, but then I've also heard just write true to yourself what you are and be funny and then the audience will find you kind of thing. So that's, you know, that's one example. For me, another area of growth, when I first started, and I still write this way, and I'll probably always write this way to some degree, self-deprecating humor, yes, yeah, that's kind of my thing, right. you know, and it's, but it's very easy at the beginning to just to make fun of yourself more than anything right. because it's a lack of confidence in anything else. Sure. But then you get to a point where, you know, you've got enough of that yeah. and you can take it too far to where the audience starts feeling sorry
0: for you. Right. That, yeah. And totally. I've sensed
2: that. I've heard some awes instead of some laughs in the crowd. And I'm yeah. like, I've taken this too far.
0: Oh no, I, I did a few things about my wife at the show and I thought there was a moment where I was like, Oh Lord, maybe I should ease back on that yeah and then you know she let me know i should ease back on that and i was like oh point taken we'll go ahead and do that so that i don't end up alone again
2: yeah so as i've gained <laughs> yeah you don't want too much of one thing yeah. you want to mix it up or they'll get tired of it yeah. as i've gained confidence as comedian now i feel like i'm branching out a little bit more yeah
0: able to write for you know and you said you were writing for different people um yeah, like so that's um, more confidence.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's that's uh, that's cool. Like, uh, so someone put me in touch with uh, a guy, a comedian, a humorist, uh, right. who's also a Bill Clinton impersonator. Okay, and um, you know, and then I. So what do they
0: want you to write? Like when they're, what do they want? What style are they wanting? To, or not style. Uh, I guess, are they wanting you to write individual jokes or premises for bits for them to do? Or
2: Well, this guy, this particular guy I'm talking about, he does some comedy just as himself and some as right. Bill Clinton. Okay. So Bill Clinton, I'm pretty much free to do whatever I think Bill Clinton would be doing. Would do, so yeah, yeah, look yeah, in yeah. the news and what's going on and comment on it. <laughs> if
0: it's about him,
2: since I don't know this guy that well, then he'll give me specific premises okay. going on.
0: And, then, you can and just, then
2: I try to work on them.
0: And like how like when you're submitting that stuff back to him I mm-hmm. guess it's just in an email and mm-hmm. how much I guess how what's the quantity of material that you would that he would be looking for for you to send him I guess as as somebody who I would love to write for other people and and do that kind of right. thing but like are they expecting like war and peace like in terms of or here's two jokes I thought of I, I feel like or, you can
2: you know if you're doing it frequently then it's okay to send him just a few every is soon as you have them okay. instead of like making a big long catalog to send them, you know once every month or whatever i mean it's just email so i right. just as i go along you know write four or five go ahead and send them to them, and then if i think of two more 30 minutes from now I'll go ahead and send them those send it. It. okay yeah but then you know what i noticed about that that's really good and i gotta make myself do that now is it's easy for us as writers i don't know if you feel this way gavin just sit down i'm gonna write some jokes today and then you're like eh, i'm not feeling it and then you get distracted, yeah. and then you get nothing. But for that, when I write for someone else, then I treat it like a job. Yeah, I'm like this guy's <laughs> expecting something. It's like a boss. Yeah, and I yeah. got it. And I'll sit there, and maybe an hour will pass, and I'm like, man, I got nothing. But finally, something will click. You know, to get the thing firing. And I won't walk away from it because I gotta have it done. Yeah. And next thing you know, I've gotten some material. That, so I've got to treat myself like that. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, this that, is no, job. that's
0: very hard. That's very hard. Because yeah. when it's just yourself you bring in all your other work stuff Mm -hmm. because that's what I've got going on. The work stuff is, like, in my brain boiling, you know? And then I'm, like, trying to think of these little things about, like, oh, the thing about the trash can and the milk jug, and I'm like, oh, my God, I can't think about anything, you know? And then, But then all of a sudden someone, you know, says, hey, we're going to do a podcast or whatever, and then it's like, boom, laser focus all of a sudden. That's... It's like magic.
2: <laughs> yeah, because then you're forced your you know yeah. your brains for I got to get this done yeah. or I'm going to fail and it makes you kick it in the gear. Yeah, if
0: someone said you have a show at the end of the week, I'd be like, "Boom, I would sit down and immediately, be able to write." I mean, yeah, uh, right then. <laughs> you know?
2: Cuz there's that pressure.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it is uh, it is a lot of pressure.
2: Yeah. Well, that's awesome.
0: Great. Thank you, yeah. Rick. We want to jump back in here and
1: Sure, sure. I, yeah, I just wanted to follow with one last question, or, or just a, just kind of an overall kind of thing. I think you gave a ton of great takeaways yeah. today, um, golden nuggets, as they call it in the podcast yeah. world. <laughs> but, you know, spending the time writing, keeping your eye on the, on the main focus of making the transition, mm-hmm. putting some money away. Mm-hmm. Uh, making connections and networking.
2: And, and on that, if, it, if I could jump in on the connection networking. So um, what happened was then I started emceeing at Zaney's and doing more and more work, or in other clubs. I would drive to other places, Chattanooga and places. And then I did make some connections with some headliners, um, some people that you know I worked well with right. and they liked me and things like that. And then um then I started getting some regular work for them Henry Cho oh, I do a lot yeah. of a yeah. lot of work with him he's clean yeah. i'm clean so that was a that was an obvious good fit some others i've done a lot of shows with Angela Johnson which on the surface you might think you know a latino woman in LA i wouldn't be her fit but <laughs> you know if again if you're a good person <laughs> a decent yeah. comic they like you then who knows They're what in, yeah. works you know so i've done a lot of shows with her and things like that so that's that's another big part of it is being accessible and being likable and
1: yeah i mean for you guys listening out there that are are thinking that you know just on your own you're you're gonna get the phone calls gonna start ringing you need to make things happen yeah and if you're booked on a show where they've got a a bigger name headliner and you notice that you are a good fit and the show is good and they genuinely seem to, to like you in the green room it doesn't hurt to say hey if you ever need somebody especially in this area in fact if you almost would say just in this area it makes it easier for them to think of you right when you're in the tri-state area or what it might be instead of if you need anybody anytime yeah which wasn't practical for you when you had a day job that's right right, right. so give them kind of a, a limited idea but Hey, I'm here when you need me. Anytime you're in this area, just give me a call and I'll be on the bill. And yeah. you're not even worrying about what the money is or any of that stuff because right. you know that you're going to get in front of much bigger audiences. Yeah, usually much better audiences who are paid a little bit bigger to see these bigger names. Yeah, and uh, and you start building your network out of that, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and um, also, and I know you've talked about this on here, but SiriusXM submitting yeah. to satellite radio. I did that. I followed Rick's advice and. Um, that's another opportunity. So I was on a show with Henry Cho. I'll, I'll tell this real fast. Sure. And he was recording a CD, and uh, so I knew he was going to get great broadcast quality yeah. audio. And if you ever get a chance to do that, do it for free. You know, because you're going to get a great recording. Because usually they'll <laughs> test the audio audio on you as the opener, uh, but it'll still be really good quality. Yeah. And so I got a great recording from that uh, from that album recording that he did so now I had a great CD it was on one big giant track so then I had to have someone split up the tracks for me which I which I did I went ahead and took the extra effort based on Rick's suggestion had a friend who does some graphic design make up a, a mock CD now I wasn't ever going to plan on selling this a CD but I wanted to look legit so I did all that work send it to Sirius and then a few months later they started playing me and they've been playing me ever since and that's another source of income I get
1: Right. So, you've done a lot of smart things. I think everybody out there listening should should visit Brian's website and check him out and follow him on Twitter. You want to give those out so everybody can kind of put a face with the name.
2: Well, yes, uh although my website is is being <coughs> built as I speak. Okay. So, um I don't have that quite ready yet, but that will be up soon, but you can follow me on Twitter, which is Brian Bates Comic or facebook facebook facebook.com slash brian bates comic
1: and it's b-r-i-a-n yes like the lord wanted it to be (laughs) that's correct (laughs) all right well brian i can't thank you enough for stopping by today and giving a a a perspective that i think a majority of our listeners probably have and and i and i know because i get messages and phone calls from people about this exact thing about how do you know is it a logical goal is it realistic Mm -hmm. and what is it going to take so um if you guys enjoy this podcast leave us a review um Follow Brian on Twitter, show him some love out there. It's, he's funny and he's prolific, and I think you'll see why Thank he's gotten you. where he's gotten so far. So yeah. uh, on behalf of Gavin, Brian Bates, and Rick Roberts. We'll talk to you next time at the School of Laughs.
0: Thanks for listening to the School of Laughs podcast. If you'd like to hear more School of Laughs podcasts, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For information on upcoming live and online classes, visit schooloflaps.com. Until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay money.